You are listening to Vintage House on WNUR with DJ Lori Branch, Kevin Mega McFall, and Lauren Lowry. Hey, welcome to Vintage House Show and Podcast, powered by the Modern Dance Music Research and Archiving Foundation. I'm DJ Lori Branch, and tonight our special guest is Vocalo host Jesse De La Pena. Jesse is a DJ from the 80s. He does open format, DJing, promotion, business, music programming. He's a great friend, a fantastic collaborator, and a cultural icon. We're really happy to have him tonight, so stay tuned. So listen, before we get into it, I just want to tell our audience a little bit about Jesse because he has such a unique wonderful history of dance music in Chicago, you know, as a sort of a music curator for Vocalo. Um, and if you're not hip to Vocalo, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But I am a Vocalo fan. I was listening to it when it first came on the air. I was like, this is great. It kind of reminded me of like satellite radio before satellite radio. There was something really unique about it. Yes. And, and it, it, it touched a niche audience that hadn't been reached before with, a, with both sort of a mix of music and public radio feel. Exactly. But younger and sort of more hip. And, you know, I don't know if I'm young and hip, but I felt like <laughs> I was when I was listening to it. So I, I want to talk about that. But I also think, uh, you know, it's important to know that Jesse, um, he he has, you started around, what, 1985, you said? 80, I mean, yeah. you know, I was going to parties and I was breakdancing and doing graffiti and all that stuff. But as far as, like, being a DJ, yeah. I, w- I would say 86. I was... Doing it before mm-hmm. that, but I really didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> we, I was kind of just messing around and figuring it yes. all out, you know. So it, I would say 86 is when I actually yes. could, could put music together and kind of figured yeah. out kind of what I was doing. Yeah. So how, I, how old were you, Jesse? Um, Don't make me do math. Oh, come on. <laughs> this, this, okay. I was probably like 14, 15. Wow, maybe you six, were a baby. Yeah, 15, maybe you, 15. You were a baby. So a uh, couple things. So you have you have worked as a DJ. You've worked as a uh, uh, you were a graffiti artist. A dan- you were doing dancing. Uh, you were also you had a re- you had a clothing store. I did have a clothing yeah. store. I partnered with a couple guys mm-hmm. on the southwest side uh, in the 90s in like 92, mm-hmm. 93 called The Yard. Yes. It was uh, hip hop kind of uh, mm-hmm. culture. Now it's kind of I forget what the, the terminology the kids are using now. But it's uh, streetwear. They call it streetwear. Streetwear. Now. But we, you know, we had a record store, mm-hmm. and we sold uh, fat laces and get your shirt airbrushed. Now you did you own the record store? I was a partner. Yeah, I had two wow. other partners. Wow. And Roley you were and like a teenager. I was 20s? by that time. I was yeah. I was in early 20s? early twenties. That's if still that, pretty young. Yeah. You were an entrepreneur. So uh, and you also worked at Gramophone. I worked at Imports first. Imports, okay. etc. Uh, when they moved next door. Right. When, before the whole, uh, you know, wearing uh, ties and dressing things up. And Tell me more <laughs> about that. So, so imports had a cultural shift? They, I think, you know, right after I started, well, a little bit after I started, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Paul Weisberg, I got to definitely give it up to Paul. Yes. He, uh, he definitely made some stuff happen for me early on. He connected me with Joe Shanahan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I started a residency at Smart Bar. Um, you know, but back then... People knew imports as the grimy kind of basement, uh, not basement, garage, uh, record pool. Mm-hmm. And then they moved next door into this like nicer kind of uh, right. more posh kind I of place. That. And then they went through kind of this uh, period where they were kind of trying to dress things up 
and they had us wearing ties and white shirts and <laughs> smocks. And, and, and smocks? And smocks. That doesn't seem like that would go together. <laughs> it, it, was, it was interesting. Ask, uh, ask Gary Wallace. Cool. Gary Wallace was over there with me. Gary Wallace. Hey, what's up, Gary? I Big saw up him, to at, him. A, at, a, at, a, yeah. at a party recently up on the north side. Charles Williams was yeah. there. Wow. Yeah, Big Ed Matthews. Big Ed. Okay. So, so you're, you're giving us good names for all of our future shows. Exactly. Gary Wallace. Gary's been on. He was on this summer. Well, he wasn't he on when I was here. That's true. He was on Kevin so you know what? I don't care if you've been on when Kevin was here. you got to come on when I'm here. He should be home this Christmas. Let's do so that. that's right. Steve Hurley, that goes for you, too. And that also goes for Terry Hunter. I've already told you that. You, you, you know, <laughs> Alan King, all of you guys. So I want to get back, back to your, your, your illustrious career I want to talk about Gramophone a little bit. So tell me about, you know, we had a 50-year anniversary, huge party. Vocalo was one of the sponsors. I saw your commercial spot on it. It was really cool. Talk about the history of Gramophone. Talk about your history of Gramophone. But also I want to hear why it was important in the landscape of music and in particular of house music. Well, I I was at Gramophone after Mm -hmm. imports probably early 90s. Uh, I wasn't there for like many, many years. That was kind of my transition Mm -hmm. from gramophone. I went to opening up the yard. So I kind of moved south. And um, but yeah, it was it was an interesting time because for such a small this is before they even expanded the first shop. Mm -hmm. And there were so many working DJs who were spinning around town and kind of making a name for themselves. But there were so many people working there at that point. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, you have your Derek Carters, your Ralphie Rosarios, your Psycho Bees. Do you remember when Melvin was there? Melvin, I do remember Melvin, yeah. We were there every every weekend at least. We were there more often than that sometimes. You know what? Through record stores, Mm -hmm. I made a lot of good connections, and I met a lot of great people, Mm -hmm. and uh, that propelled... You know, my DJ career, um, obviously having an edge of being around the music and kind of having it first and kind of being kind of connected to it. Mm-hmm. But just a lot of promoters and people would just come into, yeah. you know, the record store. So, I mean, I think a lot of people kind of grew as DJs working at record stores. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and they had their their hand on so many different genres you know everybody had their thing there right i think when i was there they were i was focusing more on the hip-hop and the jazzier stuff um yeah and and you know when you went to a record store Mm -hmm. whether it was you you kind of connected with somebody they knew what your taste was it was this community yes to begin with you show up and you you know what's going on tonight but you started making these connections with people and they started learning your taste and they would put records aside for you and go hey Mm -hmm. i've got this put in the back Mm -hmm. and you know it's kind of like when you're you're buying records uh, or tracks now and they do suggestions at the bottom (laughs) it's kind of yeah we had people that kind of knew our taste and would look out for us and you know that was the great thing about a record store uh, especially gramophone i mean i started going to gramophone probably mid 80s um i I went to to high school uh, originally on the south uh, west side at bogan um, and I, uh, I used to write graffiti with this guy, Peter Kim, mm-hmm. and his mom, uh, they owned uh, dry cleaners right next door. Mm-hmm. So he was always telling me, you got to make it up to gramophone. Mm-hmm. So I went over there and started buying records. But, you know, I was going to imports and loop and places like that first. And, you know, gramophone was a ho- like a whole new thing to mm-hmm. me, especially traveling up north from the 
southwest side on the bus and the train and that's, stuff. Yeah, that's a huge hike. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Bogan High School. We used to we used to <laughs> we used to we used to bowl against them. Lim, because <laughs> Lim, Lim Bloom, believe it or not, Bogan was in the same like league area as Limbloom because it's southwest and Limbloom was southwest. So the bowling team, we anyway, that's a side. <laughs> Limbloom. Yeah, I, 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 I definitely know What's like up, a Tony? few. I mean, there's, there's some guys who are more in the new wave scene, but definitely mm-hmm. guys like Hugo Mercado who kind of influenced me and kind of, uh, you know, early on, mm-hmm. we were all breaky dancing together. Oh, that's great. Um, I mean, that's what's... That was the thing. Yes, I mean, he was breakdancing. Hip-hop culture. I mean, before most of these guys who are claiming to be house uh, were house, they were into okay, breakdancing. All right, I want to ask you a question. <laughs> okay, so I have a, an important question about that. So DeRoe Wicks and I, so DeRoe, who, who thinks he's the godfather of hip-hop, some people might say that, you know, <laughs> hip-hop parties or open, at least the open mic hip-hop parties. Oh, yeah, parties. big up to DeRoe. Big up to DeRoe. Uh, we were talking tonight, and he has said this before in the past. That a lot of Chicago hip hop DJs learn from house music DJs. Yeah, I think you know disco and and house. I mean, Chicago was such a right. weird place in the '80s because it was either or. It seemed like it, at one it point it definitely was. You couldn't. It was yeah. house, you know, versus hip hop. Right. And you know, it was kind of disappointing because you had to kind of either choose a an affiliation. <laughs> It, 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 you know, there was, no, so Jesse and I, I think when we met, I was doing mostly hip hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, and now I was spinning house music. I actually was working at a lesbian bar, Mm -hmm. like when I met you. Yeah. But I was doing that a different night of the week and I was playing a little hip hop there, but it was mostly house music, you know. You know, and that's, that's the one good thing I think with, with technology and where we're at now, it's that none of that stuff matters anymore. You don't think so? I don't think so. No. I mean, you think about even gay clubs now. Right. Some of them don't even play house music. They play like trap and yeah. Whatever. I mean, so yeah, it's it's true. shifted. I mean, there, I think it, it, those things that used to be super mm-hmm. serious mm-hmm. are not as serious anymore. Right. And which is great because you know that's the way it should be. You should be able to play whatever you want, and you should be able to take people on a journey. And there shouldn't be any rules when it comes to spinning. I think it would be nice. I, I will admit that sometimes when I'm doing parties now, I, I'm a little more eclectic. I spin house music and I love house music and it's in my blood and, you know, I'm from the disco era. Um, but I was a hip hop DJ for a number of years for a, and um, while I was doing house music, you know, um, and I always saw the value in having kind of an eclectic set. Uh, we we I think we both did stints at Red Dog. Yeah, Red Dog the Wednesday Red Dog was, for a little while was a was a great place to like experiment that way. Yeah, I mean, when when I think about Wicker Park in the '90s and Red yeah. Dog and the loft parties, mm-hmm. man, there was that was such a great era. It I was. hate sounding like an old dude, <laughs> being like back in my day. Back but in my day, seriously, Red Dog. I mean, they had mm-hmm. it certain nights. You know, Monday was like the Boom Boom Room, right? You know, Wednesday or Thursday, you would hear more hip hop and mm-hmm. funk and stuff, yeah. disco. But yeah, that was a great thing, and they were like kind of one of the first to kind of do it, do it up like that. I mean, like kind of almost like New York style. You know, I love those parties too because it was where you could experiment a little bit, and you had people come in from all over the city and the suburbs, and and they were very open to it. 
Yeah, it definitely. It depended on uh, which night you went. You can get a little more open. Mm-hmm. I mean, the weekend is the weekend, but you right. always heard a good mix of, of music. I do miss places like Shelter and yeah, Red me Dog too. Me and too. places like that. The China Club. Oh, Remember yeah. The China Club? Oh, yeah. That was kind of cool. It was. I saw some pretty great shows there, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, Far yeah. Side. And we, I think we opened for them. I, you, I do have that flyer. You're I do kidding. Still, I do still have that flyer. I got to get that to you. We, yeah, I gotta we opened. I got to give that to you. <laughs> we well, when I was with this crew, when I was with He Who Walks Three Na- Three Ways, He Who Walks Three Ways, it's a Egyptian sphinx riddle, which I forget <laughs> what. But anyway, that was Duro's thinking. Uh, we were, when when I met Jesse, I was in that crew, and Jesse actually gave He Who Walks Three Ways its first show outside of the parties we were doing. Yeah, some of those Vic Theater parties, yes, the Fat Beats right. and Fresh Lyrics. Absolutely. You know, it, it's just so funny because people will all know you from a certain period of time. Because uh-huh. if you, you ran into some people and they knew you from the lesbian bar, they have no idea some, no, they didn't. What, what else you're playing. I mean, a lot of people right. will kind of always equate me with new wave and alternative and That's industrial. So crazy. Because yeah. when I that That's was what, what I, I got known for. Mm-hmm. But before that, I was always into hip-hop. I always bought hip-hop. Yeah. Even when I couldn't play it here in Chicago and I could barely find it. Mm-hmm. Even when I went through my house stint in the very beginning... When things got really monotonous and tracky, yeah, I you know it's just like, but it depends on where people know you from. Yeah. High school, you know, yeah. some people know me from Smart Bar, some people know me from Liquid Soul. Yes, so, Liquid Soul, I remember that. So I want to, you know, I want to deconstruct something you just said, mm-hmm. which is that things got monotonous and tracky. I remember that. But work tell, this, tell them. bang this, rock this. <laughs> Pump a this, lot of work that. this, bang this, rock this. And, and you know, you guys remember that era. You know, Lee for, <laughs> Williams, I know you remember that era. <laughs> you know, for me, I've always had an appreciation for house uh, throughout the years. I mean, I don't think a lot of people, well, I don't know if a lot of house heads would, I feel like kind of an outsider where, where I, with house music is okay. that I can, I, I know a lot of the people involved and, yeah. I, and I get love from them. But most people don't consider me a house DJ because okay. I consider myself a DJ and I love house music yeah, and yeah. I have a crazy collection. Uh-huh. But overall... In a night, you're going to hear house, right. but you're going to hear a little bit of everything well, for what, me. What, what, well, what kind of DJ would you categorize yourself? Just a DJ. Just, just a, a DJ. Just a DJ. I, I guess yeah. the term open format like has that. become open more, format DJ. more popular. Mm-hmm. But for me, a good night is when I can do it all. And I can take you on that journey. Yes. And, and, and that's what I appreciate. And, you know, sometimes it's fun to do a certain type of theme or a set. And I do like doing that. But overall, anytime someone tells me I have to play a certain thing, something in my brain just gets, you know, gets yeah. to the point where I'm like, what if I don't want to play right. that? I, I kind of <laughs> appreciate that. You know, I'd love to hear from other folks. What's up, Darlene Jackson? Lady D in What's the house. <laughs> you got to come back to the show. I know you were just here, but you got to come back. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I would love to ask that question of you uh, who are listening and who are watching us. Uh, do you want to hear one genre all night? I, I honestly, you know, I can get into that zone and I think about the warehouse and some of those early parties, but there was a point where it was sort of these monotonous tracks. And I remember people, I, I kind of fell off and, and that's when I got more into different themes. You yeah. Know? I think I started doing more of the alternative new wave yeah. stuff. And, and for mm-hmm. me, it was just trying to get into like break into the clubs. Mm-hmm. And I went from being known as a new wave alternative DJ. Right. And then I remember filling in for Johnny Fiasco uh, at this place called FX. I think it was on like State Street or something down down there, almost by uh, Rush Street. Okay. And 
I was I know I wasn't old enough to to uh, be in that club, but I did the whole entire night and I realized I could not just play the one no. thing. So that kind of right. opened up my mind. And then when I started working at Smart Bar, you know, I was already an alternative new wave hip hop kind mm -hmm. of fan. And I it had appreciation for house and high energy and stuff right. like that. So for me, like just can going from like the flyer parties, mm -hmm. like the banquet halls and the church basements and the school dances. Yes. You had a certain <laughs> sound and you, you were known for. But then when you graduated to a 21 and over club, first of all, you were there for like five, six hours. Right. So you didn't mix out the first break. You uh, you let the records play. Mm -hmm. uh, Jeff Pazin was one of the guys at Smart Bar that kind of took me under his wing and mm -hmm. kind of showed me you got to listen to the ends of your records. Don't be afraid to let the record yeah. play out. Yeah, yeah. So People my perspective totally changed. Yeah. I, I think the 9 to 5 is an important part. But we're going to get to that. When, a 9 <laughs> to 5 DJ. 9 to 5 DJ, mm -hmm. 9 p.m. till 5 in the morning. Yes. That's what we if, used to if do. If you have never had one of those jobs, a <laughs> 9 to 5 DJ job, I would recommend you get one. <laughs> you know, it was just such a different time because yeah. when when I'm thinking about Smart Bar, I was going there with a little, you know, crate every week. I was mm -hmm. leaving one, locking it up, coming on the bus, bringing another crate. And they had a library of music mm -hmm. that I learned a lot. I, I remember kind of, that. I based kind of my whole style of spinning on what I've learned at Smart Bar. Yeah. Musically, I mean, I learned so much music because they had an incredible library that Joe contributed to, Mark Stevens, sure. Jeff Pazin, all these guys. I, I like what you're, where you're going, and it's not something that we've talked about before. Um, I DJed at a club called Paris Dance. Some of you might remember Paris. I remember the name. It was on Montrose, and I was one of the residents. And uh, one of the cool things that I liked about Paris Dance was that they had a library of music. So some, some clubs will do this where they actually have everything you need. It's kind of right. I mean, you bring your own stuff. But if you could literally show up without anything and still play, play the night, they were, well, you know, people would contribute to it and the, the house would contribute to it. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I, I, don't, mean, I don't see that I, anymore. I miss it. I don't think it could happen. <laughs> no? It, it, well, because well, people at most are not places, playing records. Well, no, well the other right? thing is that you have now you're working with promoters and you're mm -hmm. working with different people coming in and out so much. Yes. So it'd be really hard to trust your collection. I do remember they had one when I mm -hmm. when I started working at Kaboom. I was the first one of the first DJs at Kaboom, and they had a a, a, a collection of music. Okay. And I I was getting so laxed I would leave my music there, and then I showed up, and I and I wanted to, I forget what record it was, right. and it was and it like, wasn't there. It was cracked. Oh. Like it was, it was uh, no TSOB. Oh, the sound of <laughs> uh, Brooklyn. Uh, the, the one with Mikey D. Yeah, it, I know what yeah. you're talking about. And I was so heartbroken when yeah. I when I pulled it out and there was a big chunk eaten out of it. <laughs> I was like, I won't, I won't ever do that. That that happened to my Billy Who. Ooh. I left it. I don't know where I left it, but it wasn't with me. And I got it back, and it was melted on one side. You ever get a, a record that's melted on one <laughs> side? And like, oh yeah. And you can't play it anymore. And I couldn't, you know. That it happened with Billy Who, <laughs> and it happened with my Inch by Inch by Persia. And I was like, what happens? You but know? I, I think you wouldn't have that appreciation yeah. until something like that happens. Oh, and, and now you know. It's not easy to find these things. No, you know? no, you're right. And certain records like that were going mm -hmm. for big money. Absolutely. Back then. But yeah, I, I love the idea of a library. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we would see it. I mean, it's good. I, it could happen digitally. I think uh, yeah. if, if you you know if you worked at if a place you, regularly, if you had a, uh, like an external hard yeah. drive or something where you can just, 
I, I, I have to admit, I was playing with this dude once uh, over the summer. He was really, really great DJ. And um, it was just hard for us to switch things out because how fast-paced yeah. things were moving and we were doing the show. So he was like, just use, you know, I got everything on there. Yeah. And it was so pristinely labeled <laughs> and everything was organized. And I was like, I could be a much better DJ if I had this collection. Yeah. You know, so it, it can be. I mean, it was like it was like all the 90s music, mm-hmm. all the sort of the, the trappy stuff, you know, new things, old things. It was it was perfect. I mean, you know, you will have your purists, but, you know, I still do Serato. I still do records. I still, yeah. you know, I, I haven't fully graduated to the flash drive when no. everybody's doing. I mean, I do it, but I, I don't have like I don't use a record box or anything like that. Yeah. Eventually, that's kind of the next thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you're you're always building and rebuilding your yes. library. The Vintage House Podcast is sponsored by FP Commercial Advisors, real estate advisors for professionals. Learn more at www.findersplus.com and by Excursions Chicago, Chicago's very own monthly global soul dance adventure. Find their new dance adventure at excursionschicago.com. Vintage House is powered by the Modern Dance Music Research and Archiving Foundation, the only repository in the United States dedicated solely to the study, preservation, and celebration of house and dance music genres. Learn more at dancemusicfound.org. Subscribe and follow the Vintage House podcast on SoundCloud and wherever you get your podcasts, including the Apple Store and Google Play. Find the Dance Music Foundation on social media at Vintage House and at Dance Music Found. So listen, can we talk a little bit about Vocalo? And I know I introduced it in the beginning, but I think it's important that people understand what it is and what you do there. Well, um, a lot of people probably heard about Vocalo in the past few years, but yes. Vocalo has been around quite some time. Mm-hmm. I would say close to 10 years. Yeah. Uh, you know, Darlene was over there very early on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Lady D. And, you know, it, when they first kind of came onto the scene, mm-hmm. there was a lot of ideas of what Vocalo was going to be. And it was originally going to be um, kind of like a YouTube mm-hmm. of, of, of sorts for audio, kind of like uh, user-made uh, content. Mm-hmm. And it kind of was that. But it was in the beginning, I think it was a little all over the place. So it took time to kind of refine it and yeah. kind of find its groove. Um, I came on probably about eight, nine years ago. Mm -hmm. It's crazy when I think about it and say that out loud. It's been that long. Uh, My boss, Sylvia Rivera, Mm -hmm. uh, she was working uh, in in Pilsen at another radio station. Um, And she had reached out, and we were supposed to connect there. And basically, um, we lost contact, and Mm -hmm. then she came over to Vocalo, and she reached out to me. And I had done an Internet Mm -hmm. show for like seven years before that, that right on smoothbeats.com okay so i was kind of like put it to bed i was like i wanted to do an internet show i did it every wednesday two to four for seven years i'm like okay cool and then mm-hmm. i put it to bed and then i get this call from sylvia and i'm like ah, i'm cool I, i'm done i'm like you know so what were you you were done you didn't want to do radio no i mean i was doing internet radio and i yeah. was doing out and it was just so easy to do for my house yeah that's nice just be in my shorts in a t-shirt <laughs> no one see me yeah <laughs> you know so long story short she said i may have something for you 
And for me, you know, it was kind of like I had to really think because I was on that nightlife schedule. Yes. It really, everything was going to change. I was, you know, going to bed at 6, 7 in the morning oh, and wow. sleeping till 2, 3 in the afternoon. God bless you. So I was like, you I know, can't do that. It, it was a great <laughs> opportunity, and I really have to give it up to Sylvia. Thank for, you, Sylvia Rivera. <laughs> you know, I, I really do. And mm-hmm. Vocalo has grown so much over the, uh, the past few years. Yes. And, you know, they've done a great job with connecting with Chicago artists mm-hmm. and really, like, championing Chicago music. And they allow me to kind of continue in the tradition of the mix show. Uh, pay homage to the guys, the Hot Mix Five and sure. Masters in the Mix and all these. Was you that know. your idea? Um, they had a mix show before that. Okay. It was a Friday show and it was called like the Friday Night Dance Party Yeah, I or remember something. that, yes. They had a little yeah, something, yeah, yeah. but they didn't really, they weren't booking any like really known DJs, sure. which is great to kind of do the up and cover, but a lot of people just didn't know about it. Sure. So when I came over, I was supposed to just be, I, I had no intention of really even being on 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 air Mm -hmm. i mean that kind of just happened um because i was going to help with some of the marketing and just branding and Mm -hmm. stuff like that and um they asked me to take over the friday show and you know i didn't know what i was doing when i came over my my very first week working at vocalo lolita holloway had passed away oh wow and i talked my boss into doing a tribute Mm -hmm. and i was like let's do a tribute Mm -hmm. i know gci is not going to do it i know any of these other Mm -hmm. stations are not going to do it prime time yeah and and she was like okay i'm gonna trust you and then i was like okay how do i do a tribute i was like wow i didn't know what i was doing i was recording stuff i literally was up like i was three days before i had to it was friday it was wednesday and then it was like friday was the actual tribute i stayed up all night editing Mm -hmm. didn't go to sleep went to work and uh, Brian Babylon, uh, yeah, who, who he was, hosted the morning yeah. show. Yeah, so he kind of co-hosted, and I kind of did the music, wow. and we had interviews. I was, you know, I had interviewed uh, Eric Williams from the Silver Room. He had had dinner yes. with her wow. as a teenager, and wow. I think I remember the show. Jesse. I had Andre Hatchet on. Yes, I, so I started doing like connecting with mm-hmm. Chicago, really trying to tell the Chicago that's great story. And, you know, we, we've had some great series on uh, Vocalo. I've had yes. a, re- some really long, t- like, long-form interviews with, you know, Lewis and Frankie Knuckles mm-hmm. and Ralphie Rosario. And really just trying to, a- basically nerding out mm-hmm. and asking all the questions I would love to know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that was so fun. And I, I'm going to get back to doing more stuff like I, that. I think that would be super awesome. I mean, we all love to nerd out here and do the same yeah. exact thing, which is why we do the show. <laughs> We are house music nerds, uh, but it's it's fascinating, and and I I think the documenting it, documenting this history, you know, is not just about sort of you know doing this project. It's rich, you know, and the returns are great because we're all enriched by these stories. Oh yeah, I, I mean every time I, I tune in on your Wednesday show, sometimes I'll have to kind of uh, kind of track it down because I don't uh-huh. get to catch it live. Okay, but I mean I mean. Even uh, when you had the ladies on, the lady DJs a couple sure, weeks ago. Sure, sure. I mean, you know, these are names and people we've worked maybe with and stuff, but I didn't know their story. I mean, that's, I mean, mm-hmm. I always say when it comes to, like, the mix show, we all knew all the DJs. We knew right. their drops. We knew their style. Right. Their scratch. Right. But we never heard from them. We sure. never knew their story. They didn't have voices. They didn't have voices. No. You knew who Farley was. You knew who Kenny Jason was. Right. 
but do you have any idea where they started, why they do what they yeah. do? And that yeah. was the one thing when, when I came to Vocalo, I definitely wanted to give mm-hmm. our collective and our guests an opportunity to tell their story. And there's stuff that I learned from my buddy Pump and Pete that I had no idea how he even got into. He got into DJing. He, he was, yeah, I guess mm-hmm. he was into it, but he, he had gotten into a car accident or something. What? And, and uh, he, he, he got a settlement and bought equipment. <laughs> That's a big story. You know, it's like I knew Pete 25 <laughs> years and never knew that story until I started interviewing people on Pump the radio. Pete. So, hey, listen, I wanted to, uh, I know that uh, you, you may have not, you, you may not be intimately familiar with this uh, documentary, uh, but there was uh, Mimi Hughes, big ups to Mimi, you got to come back on the show, we need you. Uh, she reposted the documentary, that the, uh, the British documentary, I was there when house music took over the world. I think Jesse Saunders was like a co-producer on that and a few others. I was one of the people that was interviewed. And a lot lot, lot of folks, uh, Joe Shanahan, when you mentioned Joe, you know, he had a big role in that documentary. Um, but there were a few things that uh, when Wayne was on the show, he said they didn't get quite right. Um, one of them was that uh, house music, like there was no scene in Chicago. That when when, uh, when, Ro- when Robert Williams came, huh? When, we're not gonna argue. We're not gonna argue that. I have a point to make, but I, I, Lee, you you watch the show. I'm very curious to know if you are out there and you watch the show. You know what is your opinion of it? I I think that, like I say, it's like the elephant. There's a million perspectives, and no documentary. The one on, that was on TV one didn't get it right, and you know, I shouldn't say didn't get it right. They didn't get all of the perspectives because there's so many. And so we're, we're always looking for this magic bullet of who's going to tell the definitive story on house music in Chicago and, and how it took over the world. Is that possible? Is there a project that, that you, have, you, you have seen that sort of comes close to that, a book, or, you know, anything out there that you would say, I well, could point to this? Well, obviously it's not going to happen in a, in a few episodes. So right. I think you ladies are on heading in the right direction, mm-hmm. uh, reaching out to various people. And, you know, it, it may be something that's going to take a very long time. Right. And you still will probably never, ever capture the entire story right. because there's so many different scenes. I mean, you think sure. about the Latino scene. A lot Absolutely. of times that gets left out. Yeah. You think about the suburban scene. Right. You think, I mean, there's, there's a lot that was going on. Yeah in 84 and 83 and and we could we could argue about mm-hmm. the terminology who coined it i mean as long as we keep having these conversations and broadening the 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 spectrum mm-hmm. of of things and and the the one thing that i will um i will give it up to mm-hmm. i'm not going to even uh call people's a name but but there's guys that will mm-hmm. argue the culture Versus the mm-hmm. genre. I think yes. once we start understanding yeah. we talk that, about that. Yeah. I think that kind of puts things a little bit yes. more yes. in perspective. You know, and, and you know, I, I applaud you ladies and, and all the documentaries that have come out. I mean, we got to keep them going. And mm-hmm. because we've 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 already kind of touched on yes. the early stuff. And there's some stuff we probably have to even go further back. I mean, what, you know, what are we missing from the story? Um, I mean, there's probably individuals that just don't have a voice. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, um, some, there's some focus on the punk out era, the, yes. the Herb Kent. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, there's there's just a lot that that when you when you start mm-hmm. talking about the house scene in Chicago, 
what era, what side of the city. Yeah. Are, are we talking about people who are putting out records? Or are we talking about people who are throwing dances? You know? Yeah. I mean, all of that stuff is part of it. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times I feel like, you know, uh, growing up on the southwest side and then the northwest side doing parties, it was a completely different thing. We were a different mm -hmm. age group. We mm -hmm. were a little younger. Mm -hmm. But all of that stuff influenced other people, other kids, other younger folks that I meet now. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how do these 18-year-olds even know who I am? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of crazy because... How, how do they know who you are? Cause they listen to your show. Well, the show or their parents uh, or, or their yeah. uncles and their yeah, aunts yeah. and stuff like too. That's interesting. So it's just, you know, we got to keep... We got to keep... Uh, connecting we need more mentoring mm -hmm. uh, we have to keep connecting making that bridge between the old school and the, the up-and-comers yeah. i think that's very important i think it's it's vitally important and we we've talked about that in a, a lot in the past yeah and I, how do you how do how do we make that happen without without listen to me without it being weird like no you're right you know you you're not going to party with 21 year olds no i mean but you but you you would be surprised uh, how mm -hmm. many young people are interested in this music right. now? Maybe maybe they got into it through EDM or something. Sure. And they're trying to kind of work backwards like we did with samples and hip-hop. Absolutely. Uh, so it's good that they're interested in the history. A lot of people don't want to be left out, mm -hmm. and, and we they shouldn't. Right. But, I mean, you know, we have to really kind of do the research. I agree. And, and I think you and guys are on to yeah. something. And maybe it's about creating spaces. You know, um, there is a role for older people and younger people to 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 uh, coexist and some of that is like how do we create a responsible environment for them you know where it's about a safe space or it's about a, a, a place like this you know in a, in a college environment or a vocalo show or yeah. someplace where it makes sense to come together and a lot and of collaborations you know Abs people absolutely. working together uh, you know, for me, you know, I, I know the show is mainly an ho a house fo uh, focus, mm -hmm. but I'm glad that you're reaching out to other people who are, are a little outside of the house spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, as much as I love house, you know, I don't know if I could consider myself just a house DJ. Right, right. Me neither. Uh, yeah. Me neither. It, it, exactly. Not, but yeah. it's important that we kind of broaden the spectrum right. and the conversation, I think. Right. I agree. So Charles Williams said, what's up? Hey, what's up? Tony Sundance, I see you watching. Curtis, thank you for watching. Um, we just have a few more minutes. It, it really goes fast. It's already 10.52. Wow. Can you, <laughs> can you believe that? And I haven't got to, like, you know, a lot of my questions. So the question that I posed earlier was that, Jesse, uh, I was, you know, I saw this on your Facebook feed, and I, I like the question. <laughs> I really do. And this question was, Party people, with an exclamation point, are you holding your DJ back creatively by wanting to hear the same things over and over? Did I get that right? Yeah, I, I think uh, that's, I posed it because, you know, as a working DJ, as somebody, it's kind of like that band you really like, but yes. by those first three albums you really love, but since they went a different direction, <laughs> yes. you don't love them as much. Right. I mean... I think that we should be able to grow. I mean, yeah. I, I think and in, in evolve, mm -hmm. um, not abandon uh, the sound. But, you know, right. for me, sometimes I don't want to play the sing-along stuff. I don't want to play every hit because as soon as I'm done, everybody else who's been in that night is going to play that stuff. Sure, I've absolutely. never been a DJ that's known for playing the hits. Mm -hmm. I've kind of always done my thing. Uh, and then, you know, I, you get older and you kind of start figuring out, you know, where you want to do uh, musically yes. for me I just want to play good music I want to connect with people and and the, the the one thing I think about for me personally mm -hmm. is that 
I don't get to play for a house crowd a lot. So a lot of times when I'm playing house music, I'm playing for people who are not really that into house music. I'm trying to sell them on. Yeah. So I'm playing a bunch of wacky stuff that I normally don't want to play. Uh -huh. And then I can kind of can work gauge. some stuff yeah. in. But I think my perspective would be a little different if I actually played more for an actual house I, crowd. I was going to say, you know? I think your perspective would be different. Um, I, I would love to hear your perspectives out there too, Lee, Tony, uh, Reginald, Davenport. Uh, I think, you know, listen, it's difficult because people do want to want to hear what they want to hear. Yeah. And if you're playing at a, a specific club where, you know, it's a similar crowd that goes there every week and you don't play those songs, you'll be playing to an empty dance floor. It's a balance. And it's and it, it's heartbreaking. It, you know? it is. It's a balance. But yeah. because you have DJs that want to play just what they want to play and they say, sure. screw the crowd. Exactly. And then you have DJs that play every single song that everybody's played out so many so years many times. ago. Yeah. So finding that balance, it is. that's key. And that's, and a, just that's a skill. Get, that's a talent. Don't get lazy either. Yeah. Like you should still be out there looking for different music. Yeah. Or, or or different versions or different edits or some. I agree. I mean, there's guys that have started back in the '80s or before me that are still playing the same set, same set, incorporating a few new tunes. You know, uh -huh. I can't tell anybody how to play. Yeah. I just know when I play, I have the best time when people just kind of let me do my right. thing. I I see who's out there. I see what's what's happening. Yeah. What they're reacting to. Right. I ain't gonna abandon you, but but. Trust me a little bit. Go on, my, go on this journey with me. <laughs> I mean, that's what I, honestly, that's what I liked about when we were talking about uh, the the era where we were at Red Dog and Estelle's and Avalon yeah. and, you know, Shelter and all that back then is that it seems like people did, were, were more willing to take that journey with you. I, I don't know if it's what's changed. Maybe we've changed. I'm not sure. The music is so accessible now. Yeah. And everybody kind of feels that they're a selector or a DJ and they know best mm -hmm. and they want to hear what they like. It's, it's that kind of ADD. They only want it for a little bit. Yeah. They want it at the time yeah. they want it. Yeah. It's the game has changed a lot and, it's, it's, and yeah, you have to kind of change with it. And that's why I, I feel right. like the DJ thing, I, I've been at it a long time. Yes. I kind of want to, I got half, one foot out the door, you know, <laughs> like, you know, I do you it. You can't go away just yet, Jesse. I do it because I, I, I enjoy music. Red dog. What's up? That's right. Wendell. You know, I yes. I think, uh, you know, someone made a good point. Uh, when you play out, you have to, re you know, it comes with the territory, mm -hmm. the, the the familiar music and the request. The Dirty 30. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think if you want to maybe start building uh, or introducing this music, start doing podcasts. Yeah. Give them away for free. Alex Peace yes. had a good suggestion. Yes. If they really follow you, they'll hear this music, this other music. And maybe there'll be a connection on the dance floor when they hear that music out. I think out. That's, that's really that's an a, important point. That, that's, I mean, you have to kind of separate it. Yeah. Because you're not going to win the battle just playing all what you want mm -hmm. uh, or just kind of cheesing out and playing every corny song. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's... <laughs> hey, it's, look, listen, I struggle with it. I do. I mean, you talk about DeRoe Wicks. He hurt my feelings one time at the uh, Red Dog because I was having a good night. And he's like, you just playing all the stuff they want to hear. <laughs> I was like, well, isn't, isn't that what a DJ is supposed to do? But that's what he was talking about. Yeah. He was like, you it, know, come on, break some new stuff. You know, it's happened? a balance. Yes. And I think you have to be doing it a certain amount of time Absolutely. to figure that out. Yeah. I mean, people can suggest it's it. You have to be courageous, too, though. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I have a lot of courage when I'm spinning at home and I'm making stuff for SoundCloud and MixCloud. I play all kinds <laughs> of stuff because there's nobody judging me. Right. 
You know, so I, I make all kinds of really groovy mixes. It depends it's on your... It's a very different story when you're getting in front of 200 people or 20 people or exactly. 2,000 people or 20,000 people. It's a different story. Y'all know what I'm talking about. No, I, I agree. I think it, up, it's Michelle? a lot of it's... Jesse. It's a mood. It's a mood. If it, What kind of mood you're in as mm -hmm. a DJ... Sometimes, you know, you don't want to bang it out. Sometimes you want right. to be more soulful. Absolutely. You know, for me, sometimes if people are messing with me, I'll mess with them. Yes. I'll play some crazy stuff. A lot I of, I mean, I, I remember this, this, this past summer real quick. I was at the Hyde Park Brew Fest. Yes. And I had this crowd. They didn't really know me. Some people knew me. And they were standing there with their arms crossed. Like, <laughs> like impress, impress me. What you going to do? Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> Really? At that point, I was about to play CNC Music Factory, everybody dance and just mess with them. But I was like, damn, I don't have that in my crap. I was just going to play some <laughs> crazy just to mess with them and see, okay, yeah. and then go somewhere else. I mean, yeah. I, I get bored easily. And if you give me so, some attitude about, you know, music and you know, you're too cool to dance yeah. and stuff. Yeah. I'm going to mess with it. you. I love it. <laughs> you're the best kind of DJ. So, you know what, we, we're wrapping up. We, we have uh, our next crew that's coming in here who's setting up for us. Uh, Mike Bangle said, what's up? Hey, hey. We have so much more to talk about, so many things, elbow room, double door, that you got a 25-year anniversary yourself. Yeah, Blue Groove, Blue Groove uh, anniversary. We're doing a nice little collaboration mm -hmm. event in the new year. Uh, part of the winter block party with young Chicago authors, nice. Vocalo. Nice. Uh, that's coming up in February, February 8th. And we're hopefully going to plan a, a, a Blue Groove night around that same time. Okay. Jesse, um, like I said, when we never have enough time. We just scratched the surface. So you know what that means, Lauren. We have to go on his show. Yep. What's up? Yep. Vocalo. You got to continue the conversation. <laughs> I want to continue the conversation. Will Lori spin? Of course I'll spend. We'll make time. I'll, I'll we'll do an extended. I'll send him a mix or two. There we we'll go. We'll do it on a Friday. Or, or I maybe would we'll, love that. Maybe we'll do a Sunday and we can really stretch out. And, yes. you know, come on. Do the B-side right. thing. You've been listening to Jesse De La Pena from Vocalo, uh, from the a Acid Jazz, Lizard <laughs> Lounge. He's been doing, he's done it all. <laughs> Blue Groove. He's got a big event coming up in February. What what day is that again? Uh, February eighth uh, at the Metro. It's going to be a, a all ages part of our winter block party. We do it Vocalo and WBEZ and Young Chicago Authors. Mm -hmm. uh, we are getting the younger kids together with the older dudes. That's what we need. <laughs> That's what not in a creepy way. All right. <laughs> all right, people. Good until you said that. I know. <laughs> Listen to Vintage House on Wednesdays at 10 p.m. on WNUR 89.3 FM, WNUR.org, Facebook Live, and VintageHouseShow.com.